Okay, you all good? Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. You're listening to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. My name is Daniel Hopewell, Sam Delaney, and this is episode 109, Why Brands Need to Start Buying Leads. And um, in this episode, we're going to be looking at lead buying through the perspective of brands who perhaps haven't started yet or who have only tentatively dabbled in doing so. And we're going to sort of explain why lead buying needs to be a key tactic in their overall marketing strategy. So let's just dive straight into it, Simon. Let's um, answer the question, why do brands need to start doing it? So brands need to start buying leads because it's a way to um, either build their CRM so they can market more effectively because they struggle to get... Um, and their people's email addresses or contact details at any great number. Um, or uh, they have a sort of sales process where it's very consultative. So you need a lead because you've got to get a person to a point of like definite interest before the process of then the sort of consultation starts. So this is like, you know, considered purchases and high value products and stuff like remortgaging um and the other is if you have a sort of brand which is in a a vertical where consumers could potentially use stuff like comparison sites so what that means is they're less bothered about the brand and more bothered about the offer whether that's like you know the products like the speed of the internet they're going to get or the value of their energy like how cheap can they get it they don't mind who they're um, going to work with those three things are why um, brands need to collect leads but ultimately it's driving sales yeah. um, that that's what it's coming down to so it's it's getting ROI on the leads that you're buying in order to increase your revenue and, and drive more sales yeah so we'll look more at the sort of the benefits of doing this and compare it to the tactics and that kind of stuff as we progress but before we do that, let's just flip this and say, why? What are the reasons why brands might not be doing so? You know, up to this point, what are the kind of the objections, the fears they may have, the concerns that are preventing them from actually starting? Yeah. So, if we look at this from like the three points that I've mentioned, that because they different types of brands that are buying leads. So let's think of the people that are buying. Um, marketing qualified leads and filling their CRM and you get all different types of brands for this right so like and I'll give you an example I've worked with Steinway pianos in the past <laughs> um, you know like you know two million pound piano generating leads uh, MQL leads really? people that, yeah, yeah people that are interested <laughs> they sold six pianos bear in mind um, okay. on the back of it I think they spent like eight grand or something um and, you know, right from that, you'll then have, uh, I don't know, Thomas Cook, the um, holiday company that are wanting to drive courage leads of people and find out, you know, are they interested in visiting the Caribbean and how much they want to go for. What stops those companies doing it is, right, there's a few reasons. Number one is the quality of the data. Right. Can they rely on the quality of the data or are they going to be polluting their CRM? And so if you don't have specific stringent processes and systems in place that can ensure the quality of that data, um, 
it's going to be difficult. The other is they just don't have like the necessary infrastructure to potentially buy leads. Um, so this is going to sound strange, but I see this all the time. So companies buying marketing qualified leads, but they don't have the process set up to actually start nurturing those leads in advance. Mm -hmm. What they do is just dump them into like a generic newsletter that might be going out to like a database they've built of organic prospects or you know paid media over x amount of time um and that might not necessarily work because these people are you know they're signing up for a specific purpose and they might be expecting a, a slightly different journey based on what they signed up to and the other is um really simple just like building landing pages right it's just this understanding that you can't necessarily drive this traffic to your website if you're going to do it um, to a form, you need a dedicated form that you're going to then be collecting um, leads to. So then that needs building. And typically, if you're driving traffic to a form and you're getting traffic driven to it to buy leads outside of your own marketing team, you're going to be using affiliates. Um, and that comes with potentially a massive amount of fraud. So then you have this quality issue again, where 50% of all the leads that are signing up are potentially fraudulent, and this puts people off. Um, and then, you know, it's a classic thing, what we work with uh, Build Partner Hype for, which is like, where do I buy the leads from? Um, all these things put together, quality of the data, a rigorous process and system that markets correctly to those leads. Where do I buy the leads from? How do I eradicate fraud? how do I know who I'm working with all those things together stop companies working with um networks lead generators brokers agencies whatever else I've just realized I've probably made a bit of an error here in terms of how structured this podcast because I've started with all the bad stuff so I'm hoping that people haven't just switched off like not for me you got to um, know the bad stuff right like well first. yeah exactly we've got to be honest so I'm going to switch this now and say I'm going to look at this from the perspective of our potential listeners um rather than doing the marketing for data bowl but in a in a way it's a similar thing so far as there's always an opportunity cost like that could be money or it could be time like i've got to give up something to focus on buying leads um whether that's part of the budget um or even literally like you say just doing these things time doing it so I guess what we really need to discuss is what are the benefits of choosing lead buying over other tactics? Um, why, if I'm listening to this, should I say, okay, yeah, you're right. I do need to allocate a certain amount of my money, budget, whatever, to buying leads rather than something else. So you, what you just mentioned is exactly right, which is there is no such thing as a free lunch. I did a LinkedIn post about it because I was speaking to someone a couple of weeks or a week ago that was mentioning why yeah. the leads were bad. Um, and I was like, you're, you know, you're paying on a CPL, so it feels good, but there's other things. So you, there's always something which potentially gives, and it's money, reputation, that can be a big one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, time, um, fraud, which is, you know, could be time or money again. Um, and, you, you know, there's all manner of ways you can have your pull, hands pulled down. So I think it's it's right for us to put that there, this is not a free lunch, but the benefits of doing it are you are paying on a CPL, right? So you're not driving traffic on a CPC or a CPM and uh, waiting for 
uh, a lead to be created or a sale to happen, whatever, you are getting CPLs, which means you're dealing with people's first party data. And there's a huge benefit to that, which is number one, the fraud, if you can catch it, is easier when you get the metadata and the first party data together. So if you have systems in place that can improve the quality of that data, it means that you can reduce your costs because you don't pay for leads that are bad on the CPL. You agree that in advance, right? So we're, we're only looking at good data. You have the ability to build a really good relationship with the person whose data you've just received. This isn't like ads appearing like on Facebook or whatever. This is you being able to speak to on a one-to-one -one basis with the person or the prospect who is potentially interested in your product. And there is nothing more powerful than that. And the moment, if you can make that mind switch, which is like, we want to build a really good relationship with that person, it just informs your marketing and your sales and everything so the opportunity to do that is absolutely huge and also as the lead buyer you are in control of the amount of intent which is in which i'm talking which is contained in the leads that you are buying mm. so if you can eradicate bad leads figure out a way to um automate the processes which uh, lead to leads going in and you know how you're going to market and sell to them or whatever else um, pay on a CPL receive all that first party data and now you drive the intent and it's all driven by what you will accept and what you won't accept so you can decide this is going to be a person that's like nearly at the edge of a sale you're gonna to have to pay a lot more or you can decide this is a person that has like virtually zero interest that we're even going to be contacting them but you have to pay in a different way um, but there's a huge benefit to that, right? Like you can literally have conversations with people. You know what your cost per acquisition is, um, what your ROI is, and you can work out the intent level of the lead. And this is something that a lot of lead buyers miss. They think just buying leads as cheaply as possible is the best way forward because it means like mm. the most amount of data and whatever. It doesn't work like that. It's all to do with the amount of intent behind the lead which is how close they are to a sale or how close they are to your product. Um, so that is a massive benefit being able to control that, right? Because you are in control yeah. as a lead buyer. You decide that. Another thing we've, we've, we've discussed a few times before, but I think it's relevant to this, is you've, you've said before that in times of economic downturn, and uh, I, I use that word sort of, or that phrase kind of a, a bit cautiously because it feels like we're constantly in a town at the moment i'm not sure where it is but um in these times where companies have really got to be careful with how they're spending money at least um you've said before that companies at that point see lead buying lead generation as a whole as kind of a more appealing tactic um what why do you think that is um just purely because they're paying more on a performance basis because yeah. rather than paying on like an ad which is like much higher up the funnel you're you've moved it down already so um yeah you're close to the sale so um that's why but ultimately i mean you know i just do that all the time anyway because you've got to remember with lead generation um there's a massive halo effect around all of it which is you get free advertising yeah. If this is under your brand, um, all that sort of budget that you've been splashing around on CPM tactics, on ads and whatever else, is all happening anyway. It's just that you're generating leads um, 
on the back of it. Uh, and having all that first-party data and being able to have that one-to-one -one conversation, whether that's like via email, SMS, however you're going to do it, call them, um, it's like the next point to a sale, right? This is as close to a sale as you can possibly get. So the more that you can do that, ultimately, the lower your acquisition costs if you're doing it correctly because you've removed this whole like marketing budget um, yeah. before it. So that's why it does well in recessions. But, you know, I, I just do this all the time anyway because it's not just a recession thing. Having people's first-party data, as long as they have intent towards your product and being able to communicate with them and having this halo effect around the whole lead generation activity is all absolutely huge and everybody ignores it um and they ignore it because a lot of leads are just seen as one hit wonders so it's like very binary if it comes in is it a sale does it do this has this happened Has this successful outcome happened or not when in reality you know you could look at it over a much longer period and see success in different ways if you've collected their data um and uh yeah being able to communicate with them on that basis is is, is just absolutely massive and then pay on a cpl for, for that as well yeah I, th I think it's worth putting sort of caveat to this that that halo effect only is utilized if what the externally generated is doing with your brand is good You've got yeah. to have a relationship with them. Do you know what I mean? Because it's your brand that's being used out there. So this is where it comes back to the the relationship you build with them, right? Because you you, know, you don't want to see your... I've, I've spoken to people before who are a bit cautious because they don't want to see their brand. Even like very small things like, like why have you done this button that, although it clicks, that's not our brand guide. Like we've talked about people before, you know, it's that kind of thing. But this is where the relationship side of it comes in. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of brands like that, that's why they work on affiliate marketing. So... Um, ignoring all the fraud behind it, uh, they see that they can control the email creative that's used, they can control the banner that's used, they can control the landing page um, that's used, and then they benefit from that huge halo effect, um, which is never taken into account, but ultimately has like a massive impact. Mm. Um, yeah, if you're buying leads and the lead jet from a lead gen partner and they're using their own brand, um, I won't go into it again. This is why it's a great opportunity for a lead gen brand to create a brand because they're, they're not utilizing that halo effect. But you still benefit from the vertical intent in some way. Um, but yeah, it, the more you can get your brand out there um, and yeah. still own a pound of CPL, the better. I'll, I'll come to what you said there about vertical shortly and where it's best used. But before I do, I just want to ask you one thing that you mentioned because I wrote it down. I was a bit curious. When you were doing the stuff for Steinway and we're talking about reputation and protecting reputation and that kind of thing, mm. just out of interest and off-piece entirely here, how did you find target people who could afford two million pound pianos? How did you <laughs> how did you start that? Like so I just, just got really curious. I mean, this this was um an email campaign that went out. Um they actually paid for it at the time on a CPM. So they were just doing it on a cost per thousand. And it was to do with the targeting of the email. So we got the email creative and the list that was put together was something like, and I, I can't remember, I mean, this was like a few years ago, but we looked at stuff like the value of someone's house. So obviously you've got this data and you can start to look at the mm -hmm. postcode, the 
um, house number. We looked at the age of the people. So we made a decision about um, how likely uh, they were to potentially play the piano. We actually, one thing we did is looked at the type of car that they drove, um, which was not necessarily like a sports car. We were looking more at classic cars because it was this like idea that um, yeah, yeah. are they going to associate like a premium product with another premium product? Um, I mean, we used to go to the end degree with shit like this. That's like without going too much in depth, we used to look at like the surnames of people. So this sounds really strange and that like, I'm not, I wouldn't condone doing this now, but what it was to do with was whether we believed that a surname was like old money rather yeah, than yeah. new money. So um, it would be something like, I don't know, if someone's name was like Bradley, we'd be like, are they going to buy a Steinway? But they look like they're worth 5 million, but they're going to buy a Steinway. Seems unlikely. But then you have like Cuthbert, you know, Smythe the third. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. this guy's worth 5 million. And he know, sounds like he might buy a Steinway. Do you know what would be really interesting now? I, don't really do, I assume you did this at the time, but it's it comes back to that machine learning stuff we did. Um, I won't say to the brand, but the example I always remember is the machine learning picked up a really bizarre connection that no human would ever have looked at that said if you live on a street with a slightly longer address you are more likely to buy organic food there was a there was a bizarre connection so you in a similar way you could make those connections using this data and then target people i mean i don't know whether exactly. you actually did do machine learning then but is it, I, I wanted to bring this up just because i'm thinking people might be listening to this who haven't done lead buying and steinway is probably quite an extreme example i wouldn't have thought that they were doing so the, so the email was actually to a newsletter so that we sent the email out it went from a third party or several third parties so because to get this we had to like build a type of profile and then um i'd so basically i was like an agency site in the middle so then i'd contact other companies and i'd start to work with them on building what we believed was the sort of perfect profile and then mm. the email went out it went to a page that a user signed up to from here to hear about it and then from there they contacted them and took them down a nurturing funnel um but yeah it gives you like an idea of you know and some companies do this at the moment where they're thinking about targeting and everything but what's interesting is that um using yeah like really nuanced approaches in how you target people and you, what's amazing is going back to what like why do people generate leads is we could only do that because someone else had already generated the leads yeah like you can't do that sort yeah. of targeting on Facebook. You can't create like that audience. I you can't sit down and look and think who's old who's old money. I mean, it sounds incredible now that we did it, but we genuinely sat down and were like, do you know what? People with these sort of like new money names aren't going to be buying products like this. Um and so this is the benefit of having this first party data is like you can take a really quantitative approach where you're analyzing the data and the results from things, but then you can go really qualitative with it and start thinking about, you know, who is more likely to actually be interested in this product? What are we seeing them doing? How are they interacting with it? And this is the great, this is one of the reasons why you want to build this CRM is you get these insights. And you get the mm. people that are interested in your products, and then you can dig even deeper into it. This is, I mean, I didn't even think of it to begin with. I'm only thinking it now, talking about like how we targeted Steinway uh, 
people but it's it it's also to do with that is like the benefits that give you and very rarely do people do this right they sit they get if you're getting mqls like with a brand and they're buying leads which is a lot of them do um they stick it all into a newsletter that goes out every month or week or whatever i've done it for millions of companies um and they just get the same thing whatever and then the opportunity is actually there because you now have this first party data to really start thinking about how we're going to approach these people um mm. yeah analyze the data machine learning this is the amazing thing about it like you mentioned is there to help you do this now the reason i jumped on that steinway thing is just that i imagine there could be people listening who are like interested in buying leads and the whole thing but maybe thinking it's not quite suitable for whatever company they're at at the moment. But I'd say Stan was quite an extreme example of someone you wouldn't think of as maybe going out and buying leads. So I think it's worth mentioning that pretty much everything you could probably find. Um, it's all to do with the, leads for. exactly. It's all to do with the people, right? This is the beauty of mm. first party data. Like I've worked with Ferrari. I've worked with Porsche, Steinway, like we mentioned, some real serious premium products done, um, promotions of uh like first class stuff for airlines um you know we uh we're talking to alfredo bloy dawson on the thing yeah, about yeah. multi-million pound houses in marbella doing the lead generation for them it's all to do with the audience you're hitting and so um is finding that affinity with the targeting and the products and like you know yeah. this is why you can't focus on the quantity necessarily Something makes me think it's not really relevant, but it made me think of that. Um, there's a quote, I want to say it's the creative director of Lamborghini. Maybe the title is wrong, but he was asked why um, why he never run a TV advert for a Lamborghini. And his response was, because the people who can afford Lamborghinis aren't watching TV. So I thought it was a really, a really good example of targeting. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm going to go bring this around now because we talked about the extreme, but I think it's probably worth bringing it back around to sort of say, oh, yeah, you can do it in pretty much any industry if you do the targeting correctly. What are the verticals, industries where lead buying typically works especially well? Yeah, so if we remove the filling your CRM thing, because that lots of companies do that in lots of different um, things. So if we concentrate more on the companies that are consistently buying leads, hmm. Um, it kind of goes back to the top what we spoke about. So anything that requires like a considered purchase almost certainly needs to generate leads because you're going like top of the funnel down. And so at some point they need to raise their hand and be like, yeah, I want someone to talk to me about this. Um, and then, you know, they're, they're in line now to start making that decision. Um, whereas if you just yeah. go like a, a cold approach, you're just spamming the life out of thousands of people trying to find that one needle in the haystack, whereas you want them to make that decision to go further. So when when there's anything that requires a considered purchase, houses, potentially cars, anything that costs a lot of money, any life-changing event, anything like remortgage, this is why a lot of financial services do well, is because it's a considered purchase you need some sort of information or consultation around it. Um, so anything like that. And the other is um, anything which is 
could be seen by the consumer as like non-brand driven. And this is this thing with like comparison sites, which ultimately are like lead generation companies in some ways, right? Mm. Which is the consumer doesn't give two shits about who they get the product from. They just want the best offer, the cheapest price, the best bundle. They actually don't know which one to go with. So they're just going to choose whichever one that recommends, you know, whatever the reasons are. Um, and that isn't to say the brand doesn't potentially have power, but it's like a commodity product. So, um, yeah, they're probably not doing a great marketing job, <laughs> I'd imagine. But, the you know, these consumers are just like, I don't care, you know, who I get mm. my energy from. I just want the cheapest energy I can possibly get. Um, so anything like that. And then with the, um, just going back to the CRM fill stuff, uh, so every brand does that but the, what they'll do is work in, on like campaign basis that do it we've got one coming up um there's going to license dateable for like three or four months just to run a specific campaign and not do anything again for a year and then come back again in a year personally if i were them i'd run it constantly um because i'd find a way that it worked in and realize mm. that like you know i can just constantly drive this budget behind it and rather than see it as like a cat because the problem is when you make it a campaign level it just becomes fill your crm whereas when you actually make it a consistent approach and this is like a strategy that we're going to use to actually grow sales and boost our marketing and get more customers you spend a lot longer analyzing it take a more considered approach about how you're going to run it really you have to get it to work basically i, I don't know the details of this campaign but i imagine as well the mindset is perhaps treating it as a bit of a one-hit wonder rather than thinking i'm going to be nurturing this and build a relationship over the course of however long i mean um, one of the problems is do you want me to tell you the truth well i will tell you the truth do you want me to tell you the truth that's why it says transparent as fuck behind this um they generally don't know what they're doing right and so when it fails, it's not really like lead gen doesn't work. It's you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people out there waiting for you to take your pants down and not in a good way. Um, you know, like if you've got money to spend, there's a there's as many people that will help you spend it badly as there are that will help you spend it well. Um and so, you know. When it when you say it doesn't work and you're running a stuff, it's like it's really you've not got the systems and processes in place. Mm. You haven't actually built a strategy out that's going to um, prove this model. You haven't worked with the right people. You haven't spent this time. Something always gives time, money, reputation, fraud, get your pants pulled down, whatever. Something always gives. And so it's your job if you're buying leads to mitigate those risks and ensure what's actually happening puts you in control so that you can build your first party database and track sales from it. Um, Cause ultimately you only have yourself to blame if that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna end this by asking you one question and the steps people need to take to actually buy leads well, we've covered in every other podcast There's you know, it's this 108 episodes for people to go and explore. So I'm not gonna, actually sort of go into too much depth because people can go back and do that at their own, their own pace or whatever. But if I'm listening to this, I'm, I work at a brand thinking, yeah, I do need to start buying leads. What is, and I just want the first step I need to go away with and think, right, this is the first thing I need to do on my checklist of jobs before I can start. What's the first step people need to take before they can um, 
start start buying leads start from the end result and work backwards what is the end result that you want and it's always going to be a sale right <laughs> like whoever you ask is going to get unless they're and then like this i'm thinking more of a business owner what can happen is this that you get siloed departments you'll have like a marketing palm where it's like a lead we need leads no you need sales that's all anyone gives two shits about so you start from what the absolute end result is and then you manufacture that backwards to um the starting point and through that process is when you'll start to realize shit we need the sales and the marketing to be entirely aligned shit mm. We've got to make sure that these marketing messages we send out are aligned to how this lead was collected. Shit, we need to understand exactly how these leads are collected, which means we need to know exactly who we're working with, what ads they're showing, how the leads are driven to pages, what traffic is used. Shit, there's loads of fraud. How are we going to remove it? Shit, there's loads of bad data. How are we going to remove it? How are we going to qualify these people can be our customer? You Literally, you go back in a line, that's what will happen. It's, but what everyone sees as success is the lead, and that's why it all falls apart. And that's nice, a nice way to wrap this up. Um, like I say, you can go back and you can listen to all these tactics and many more tactics in far, far more depth. But that first step is just a mindset shift, thinking about what you want to achieve. So, yeah, you can listen to that this podcast and you can have ticked that first step on the journey off by, by the time I wrap this up because... You can do that instantaneously. Um, yeah, I like that. Cool. That was episode 109, Why Brands Need to Start Buying Leads. Thanks for listening to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe to hear more from those at the very cutting edge of the lead gen world.